Welcome back to another episode of The Scoreboard. I'm Eli Kleinman, along with Courtney Wise and Sam Reno. Today we're talking about three USC sports, football, basketball, and women's soccer. As two sports wrap up their season, and basketball just gets started. Let's start with the biggest one, football, the most popular sport here at USC. USC finally got back in the win column with a seven-point win against Arizona on Saturday, and they saw two quarterbacks play in that game, Jackson Dart and Keaton Slovis. Dart played substantially less than Slovis, but had some big moments, two touchdown drives. So I'll start with you, Courtney. Who should start this next Saturday against Arizona State? Is it Jackson Dart or Keaton Slovis? I definitely think Jackson Dart should start against Arizona State because um, it is proven that Jackson Dart has a better arm and more accuracy than Keaton Slovis. I also think that, you know, Jackson Dart um, is better at playmaking um, and Keaton Slovis just hasn't, like, proved himself um, this season. Um as being the main starter, so. Yeah, I agree. And so much, so much about this season feels like a lame duck between Dante Williams, between Keaton Slovis, and you might as well get something out of it. And I feel like putting Dart, and it's not like Sun Devil Stadium is some like whiteout level atmosphere, but it's it's not an easy place to play, and just getting him some experience in these like late season Pac-12 road games before next season, which you would obviously expect to go a little better than this one did. I don't think there's any downside to playing him. I think you have everything to lose by sitting him. And you want to you want to talk about the red shirt and you know, if you sit him then you can preserve another year of eligibility. But I think I think getting him in and having him navigate the rest of the season is a lot more valuable than trotting out Slovis for three or four more games before he ultimately doesn't get the job next season. I'm going to have to disagree with you both. I think the right move is to play Keaton Slovis. When when you watch them on Saturday against Arizona, I don't think Jackson Dart played better than Slovis. Uh, besides, take out the pick six that he threw late in the game. Uh, I don't think when in this first half, when the team played as well as it possibly could, they put up 35 points in the first half. I didn't feel like Jackson Dart outplayed Keaton Slovis. He brought more energy, brought more excitement. But, but he didn't play better. And I think it comes down to this. You start Keaton Slovis because what we saw from Jackson Dart is they're clearly telling him you cannot run. I mean, he did not move. He was a statue in the pocket, and he is known to be a dual-threat quarterback. So that tells me two things. A, you lose some of his versatility and some of the reason you would play him in the first place. And second... He's clearly not fully healthy if you're not letting him just run the football. You know, you had chances to do some read options. He did that against Washington State. That was some of their biggest plays in that game. I mean, they had a lot of them in that game. They put up a lot of points. But some of those plays went to get Jackson Dart even comfortable were running plays from, and he's clearly not running the ball right now. So I would say uh, out of the care for Jackson Dart, you would rather have Slovis play finish out the season I think Slovis probably does give you a better chance to pick up a couple of these wins down the stretch I think that's that's fair and the, the excitement point is well taken as someone who is in that student section when Jackson Dart surprisingly goes out there for that third drive I mean the bench is like waving the towels around there was a clear palpable energy 
around him, and it's easy to sort of get fooled by that as well. But and the the injury stuff is is certainly a concern as well. But as there's there there's so much about the season that just feels like such a waste, and I would I would hate to get absolutely nothing out of what has been a disaster of a 2021 season. That's that's fair. So with just four games left on the schedule, just quickly, what do you think USC's final record will be after the season for both of you? Um, I think I think they're going to be bowl eligible, so they'll win six games at least. What I think. Yeah, as as many Rose Bowl jokes as I've thrown around the last couple of days to other USC fans, I, I think six and six is fair. I said after the Stanford game that they would win some games they shouldn't and lose some games they shouldn't, and there's not been a lot of winning games they shouldn't that's been done. And so I think between either BYU, Arizona State, UCLA, I think they pick up one of those in addition to the Cal game. I just don't see any way for them to get to bowl eligibility. I don't even think they'll pick up another win. And I know that sounds crazy, but you look at their schedule, it's not easy teams. And not only that, every single team does what USC just is incapable of stopping on offense. Arizona State has a mobile quarterback who can run the ball. They, they love to run the ball in general. Although Arizona State did kind of quit last week against Washington State. So if they play like that, USC will have a chance. But USC's defense has been so bad. Cal is running the ball well. And Chase Garbers is taking advantage of play action off of that. That's something USC hasn't been able to defend. UCLA is just a downhill running team. Put Zach Charbonnet in. Who's going to try to tackle Zach Charbonnet? I mean, USC has so many missed tackles. There's no one who can stop him. And then BYU put up, what, 60-something points on Virginia? I mean, they could put up 100 on USC playing like that. Not really, but I just I don't see bull eligibility for this team. They just... Even against Arizona, they just have looked bad. They just looked bad. But let's move on to a team with a little bit more promise, and that's USC basketball. Last year, they went to the Elite Eight. They did lose Evan Mobley, though, and Tajidi. I think that's a loss that goes less mentioned. But heading into the season with the first game next Tuesday, what are your expectations for USC, and how far can they make it this year? I I think mentioning those two even as, as casually as it was like that's that's everything to me there, there are nights where Evan Mobley would just be the entire defense for this team you could build like uh, at Washington State uh, they Isaac Bonton comes in on fire I think he scored 20 points in his five last five games and they threw doubles at him constantly and they were able to get away with it because you have Mobley standing in front of the rim and he blocked like six shots that night and it would do that time and time again and he's sort of a get out of jail free card for your perimeter defense, and without him, and without Edie, who would you know be the scoreboard mover, right? Like, there's not many guys they give the ball to to just get points, and there were a lot of times last season where that's what he was doing in addition to Mobley, and to lose one of the best defensive anchors in the country as well as like almost the entirety of your consistent offensive production, I think they'll be okay. I think Isaiah Mobley maybe takes some steps forward, but. That's that's too much to lose, I think, to get back anywhere near where they were last year. Yeah, and um, I agree. You know, like I think that, you know, everyone um, that performs has the potential to, you know, have another great year, great season. And so, 
I think that, um, of course, it's not going to be the same without Evan Mobley. But I think that they have the potential to going into the tournament, um, especially going up until, like, the Sweet 16, I think. Um, I also think that, you know, uh, the team has very high expectations for Boogie Ellis um, and Isaiah White to step up um, and really, you know, help the team win some more games. And so I feel like, you know, Boogie Ellis, he will bring a lot of, you know, points and scores to the team, um, in which he will be a, a really big asset for them. So, This is a team that was picked to finish middle of the pack last season in the Pac-12. They're picked around the same this year. I think this year they will finish closer to that. You just lose pieces that you can't replace right now. And other teams in the conferences have been able to do a better job at either keeping pieces or better job at replacing them. USC doesn't have it. Isaiah Mobley played great in the tournament. I think he'll be better this year. But in part, he played great because Evan Mobley was there, and that was the attention of opponents. Taj Eady was the best shooter on that team. I mean, Drew Peterson might have had a better percentage, but Taj Eady took more threes and hit more threes, and that's the player you really wanted the ball at the with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Maybe Boogie Ellis is that, but you can't expect that from him. You you lose your shooting though, and I think that's the big one. Like Taj Eady spaced the floor. In both Oregon games, USC jumped out to huge leads. And Oregon started to close the gap in the second half both times. USC would go on a drought. And it's Tajidi who would step up and hit that three. I don't know if you have that player right now. I think this is a team that will make the tournament. I, I don't think they'll be as high of a seed as they were last year. I don't see them going past the first weekend. Unless you see breakout years from players like Max Ogbonkpolo, who was a top prospect at one time, but has just been so inconsistent and then maybe Drew Peterson needs to step up and put up more like 16 points a game. If you see that, then I see a chance they could go back to the Sweet 16 and maybe even the Elite Eight if they have the right matchup. But I think you're asking a lot from players who were just expected to fill small roles last year. You didn't really bring in any transfers outside of Boogie Ellis. So you're just asking a lot. You have players that could perform well enough to do it. I just don't think it's that likely. Yeah, no, that's I completely agree because what what Taj and Evan did is almost irrevocable by what what they have on the roster. And I was pretty low on their their tournament chances last season before they made that run, just with the lack of lack of shooting, specifically the free lack of free throw shooting that team had, and to lose a, a floor spacer and a ball handler like Edie. And I mean, Mobley's obviously not like an elite shooter, but he wasn't not spacing the floor for them, and so to lose the little bit of what provided. I think what spurred them to the Elite Eight in the first place makes it makes it even harder. And so you need, it's like you said, assuming this team can get back to where they were to compete at the top of the Pac-12 and to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, you need to get something from somebody that we either haven't seen it from before or we never expected to see it from in the first place. Yeah, and, and I think one thing that also, like schematically, that could help this team is they did it a little bit in the NCAA tournament. If you have Isaiah Mobley take up the ball because he has the ball handling skills to do it, that could pose a bit of a problem for teams. I mean, do you put a center out on the three-point line to guard him? Do you leave a guard? Do you play zone? I think that's one way you could use a big man effectively to out-scheme opponents. But but I don't think that USC—I mean, 
we'll see what Boogie Ellis does this year. He wasn't great at Memphis the last couple of years, but he has a lot of talent, and I think he can be a very good player. He kind of almost came back home in some sense. He's from San Diego area. But I don't—USC has just never has had the guards that are top-tier guards under Andy Enfield. They've had multiple big men be top picks. They've had players who have been picks who are guards or go to the NBA. I mean, you know, you have others, but— I don't. I think Evan or Andy Enfield creates more of a big man team that plays very well, good, very good defense, and I'm not sure that he has the guards to go deep in the NCAA tournament, which is something you need. Look at Baylor; they won the national championship because they had three high quality guards. But let's move on to our final sport on Friday: USC women's soccer takes on UCLA with the title on the line. If USC wins. Or draws, they take the Pac-12 title. If UCLA wins, it's all theirs. Before both of these teams likely head to the NCAA tournament. We'll start with you, Sam, because you are the soccer expert here on this podcast. What do you see happening on Friday, and where do you see, and how do you see USC going forward into the NCAA tournament? I think watching this team play all year, and even watching a little bit of UCLA, it's hard to see them not getting this last win. They've been Every time they've been up against it, they've met the moment this year. I mean, they started Pac-12 play, a goal down at home against Oregon State. And from then, it's just been resilient moment after resilient moment. Two goals down on Sunday to Stanford, a top-10 team without your you know, program's all-time leading goal scorer. And they just they get contributions. And they're, the way McAlpine is coaching right now, he's coaching fearlessly, and his team is responding to everything he's doing. And it's, it's incredible. It was, I mean, his performance on Thursday was an absolute master class. The way he's moving this team around without hocking to get the ball in his best player's hands by dropping DeMello even deeper in midfield than she's played all year. I mean, he made the decision to sit Aaliyah Farmer. Aaliyah Farmer played like eight matches in the middle of the season, playing all 90 as like the single holding midfielder on this team. And now, you know, he's moving her off the bench and everybody buys in and everything seems to be working right now and clicking. And it's, it's I just don't see them giving it up with one to go. Yeah, I totally agree with you um you know i think that usc will definitely be ucla on friday i think that they will make it to um pretty far in the tournament um you know like um what you said sam about uh the coach you know like nothing it seems like nothing is forced and um they are they are absolutely phenomenal on pressing against other you know players they have anna smith who has been doing an outstanding job as goalkeeper as well as you know Croy uh, Bethuni and um, she's been doing absolutely great so I think Croy Bethune said it best to your point this team has just fought on all season you know it's the USC's motto it's their motto they've done a great job I was impressed by their performance on s- Sunday it looked like that game was over. I mean, sure, maybe they put up a goal, maybe they get one more, but Stanford will find a way to take it. And Stanford had the opportunities, but they weren't able to cash them in. And USC found a way to win, and I think that's what the best teams do. Now, I'm not sure they win on Friday for two reasons. If Penelope Hawking doesn't play, I think it'll be hard. I think they'll have a chance, though. I, I think either way, they'll have a chance. I think, though, I'm concerned if she comes back, and here's why. USC has always had trouble adjusting to changes. The start of their season the last couple of years has been pretty bad. They've 
lost to teams that just leave you scratching your head. Now, Pepperdine and BYU this year have turned out to be very good really teams. Good, yeah. But it wasn't an inspiring performance from them in either performance. They almost lost to Michigan, although Michigan's also a, a very good team. You know, it's not that they've had any bad losses, but they haven't started the season slow, which is transitions. And Kidani McAlpine, their head coach, you know, loves to experiment with formations at that part of the season. But then when Penelope Hawking went out, USC really shouldn't have had much trouble with Washington. I mean, Washington's not a bad team, but USC is significantly better. And yet they had to adjust again. It just in a, it's an adjustment period that they seem to need. So I think if she's back, which they need, if they want to win a national title, they need her. Absolutely. And I'll let you answer where they go in the NCAA tournament from here and, and respond to this. But I think if she's back on Friday, that'll mean they'll have a better chance to go farther in the NCAA tournament because it'll let her become part of this team again. But I have, I just feel that it may actually cost them a, a chance at the Pac-12 title. And it's crazy to say that. It is that nuts. Because she's the best player on that team when she's there. And Croy Bethune's a great player. Croy Bethune is arguably the conference player of the year. I think she is the conference player Definitely. of the year. But Penelope Hockey's better, and putting her on the field, you would think, makes them better. But I just, the what I've seen from transitions from this team, I feel like they might be worse. I, I think that's fascinating because I think you're dead right. I think you're absolutely on it. They, they need Penelope Hawking if they want to go win a national title. There's no doubt about that. But, And I would say earlier in the season that the assimilation of Hawking back into this team would be a lot more seamless than it is now because McAlpine has changed the way this team plays in her absence in these last two games against Cal and against Stanford because all season they've played through wide areas. The fullbacks have bombed forward and they overlap because that gets because Hawking plays out wide. That gets the ball in their best player's hands and she can be the one that drives this USC attack. And starting with that Cal game, they haven't done that. They moved Bethune into Melo in. He inverted the fullbacks to get their strong foots going inside. And so everything sort of runs centrally now through this team, through Bethune and through DeMello, that now if you bring Hawking back into this team, now what do you do? Do you play outside through Hawking, or do you play through arguably the hottest player in the country right now in Coy Bethune, who has been unstoppable since Hawking's gone out? I mean, she's been, the story has been, you know, she was matching Hawking goal for goal almost throughout this, the portion of the season, and her contributions were extremely, you know, under the radar, and now she's exploded into almost a superstar for this team since Hawking's gone out. And so I think in a one-game setting where now you've got to figure out how the ball moves through this USC team with you know so many people now finding their feet. I mean, Simone Jackson all of a sudden has played incredible out there. What do you do with her now? And so I think I think I trust him to figure it out before you know an NCAA tournament run, but in a one-off game, I think you're absolutely right. I think they might struggle figuring out how to exactly play through their best players because DeMello has been in Hawking abs- Hawking's absence, has been optimized completely. Playing that deep in the midfield is where she needs to be, and the ball needs to run through her for her to be at her best. But if you do that, then Hawking's not at her best. And so it's it's a trade-off that I I think you're right to not trust they get right on Friday. Yeah, I, and I think you meant the point about Simone Jackson. That was the last point I was going to finish up with. She's played her best soccer as of late, and they wouldn't be here without her. They wouldn't have won at Stanford had she not played as well. And I and Hawking is a much better player than her because Jackson is a freshman and still young. Jackson will be a very good player for USC moving forward. I mean, she was a top commit coming out of high school. But, you know, you send her to the bench, you change things up, 
Savannah DeMello's had a great season with Hawking, and they're good friends from all indications. They've been playing together for a long, long time. But she's kind of taken a step forward in this offense without Hawking. I mean, she's had to move up, move forward, and really play a bigger role in this offense. And, you know, now she'll step back. How do you adjust to that? I just, I do. I worry about the adjustment. We will see. Friday should be an interesting game at UCLA, too. Never easy to go on the road in the Pac-12 at 8 p.m., a night game. So under the lights, which is not something they can do here, but something they will do at UCLA on Friday. So that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to the scoreboard. You can follow all of Annenberg Media's content at Ann Media Sports on Instagram and Twitter and at AnnenbergMedia.com on the Internet. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week.